We will turn to a couple of places in God's Word this afternoon. First, from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 6. We're working, of course, through the Lord's Prayer, as we have been for the last several weeks. And Matthew 6 offers us the context in which the Lord taught that prayer, which will be especially helpful for the petition we're looking at today. So we'll be reading Matthew 6, verse 19 through verse 34. There the Lord Jesus teaches us, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light In you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these." But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So far from the teaching of our Lord Jesus in Matthew 6, let's also turn to the Old Testament, to the book of Proverbs. Just a few verses from Proverbs 30. These are the words of a wise man wise man named Agur, the son of Jacob, and that's about all we know about him. Proverbs 30, verse 7, we'll read verses 7 through 9. Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying, give me neither poverty nor riches, Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or, lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So far from the word of God. Let's sing together in response from Psalm 37, stanzas 2, 3, and 7. Every Sunday in the afternoon service, we regularly turn to 
the Heidelberg Catechism, a summary of the basic doctrines of the Christian and the Reformed faith. This afternoon, we find ourselves in Lord's Day 50 of the Heidelberg Catechism. That's on page 562 of your books of praise. Lord's Day 50, what is the fourth petition? Give us this day our daily bread, that is, provide us with all our bodily needs, so that we may acknowledge that you are the only fountain of all good, and that our care and labor and also your gifts cannot do us any good without your blessing. Grant, therefore, that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it only in you. So far from the Heidelberg Catechism. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, over the last few weeks we've been working through the Lord's Prayer request by request to understand not only what the Lord Jesus would have us pray for, but also how He would have us pray. And this week we're we're transitioning from the first three petitions, which are more obviously God-oriented, to the second three, which have more to do with our own needs and desires. So last week we saw that the Lord Jesus invites us, before we come to God with our many needs, to first consider His greater purposes. He calls us up into those, to put on our own hearts the desire that God's name would be lifted up, that his rule would extend over all the earth, that people everywhere would begin to do what pleases God. Those are the first three petitions, and the, the commonality in them is they're big petitions. They're God's big purposes, and the Lord Jesus invites us, put those first In your prayer, before you get to your individual needs, spend some time praying to God for those things. He calls us to do so, and we ourselves would find encouragement if we did. But of course, the the Lord's Prayer isn't only about the, the big and the magnificent and the global picture of what God is doing. The Lord Jesus also, in these petitions now, gives us room to bring our little needs, our small concerns before him. And and in fact, he, he teaches us that we ought to do so. So that's where this petition begins. And that's also then the message for this afternoon drawn from the Lord's teaching in Matthew 6. Christ teaches us to pray for our daily bread. We'll focus on three things about this petition. First, it's not meant to be our first request. Secondly, it is meant to be a modest request. And third, it's also meant to be a daily request. So first of all, it's not meant to be our first request. That might seem fairly obvious because this is the fourth petition and not the first. But it's worth remembering and, and spending some time considering why that is. The reality is, in our own individual prayer lives... This often is our first request, and it's often our primary request as well. What do we pray to God for more than anything else? Well, for most of us, it's our daily physical needs. We pray that God would give us strength to do our work or to take care of our children. We pray for health, either for ourselves or for others. We pray for those who are sick, for those who are elderly and weak. We pray for the poor. And brothers and sisters, those are good 
prayers. They are. And we'll see in a few minutes that all those things are included in this petition. Christ tells us to pray for those things. Think of what Peter also says in 1 Peter 5. Cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. Or what the Apostle James says, Is any among you sick? Let the elders come and pray for them. We should be bringing our our little daily needs and worries to God as children bring them to their parents. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. He means it when he says that. But at the same time, this isn't the first petition in the prayer. And there's a good reason for that. Christ himself teaches us why in the context that we read from Matthew 6. Think of what he says in Verse 25, is not life more than food, or the body more than clothing? Or verse 31, he says, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after those things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So what's Christ's point? That we shouldn't pray for those things? No. He clearly tells us we should. But what are we seeking first? Or another way to ask it, what are we seeking the bread or the health or the clothes or the strength? What are we seeking those things for? That's what Christ is teaching us to ask ourselves. See, we, we sometimes misunderstand the Lord's Prayer, thinking that the first part of the prayer is about God and His concerns, and then the second part of the prayer is about us and our concerns or our needs. But when Christ teaches us to seek first the kingdom of God, He doesn't mean to, to seek that first, and then once you've done that, to go ahead and seek all the other things you need for your life. No, Christ is teaching us to rethink our lives completely. God's honor, God's kingdom, God's will are what we live for. And then our food and God's mercy and the Holy Spirit in fighting against temptation, those are petitions 4, 5, and 6, those are what we need in order to give our lives to those purposes of God's honor and His kingdom and His will. So the prayer then that Christ would would have us pray is this, Father, I love your name, and I want to see it lifted up high. Your kingdom and your rule, too. I want to see them established and built, and I want to fight for them day after day. Your righteousness is my treasure, and I want to see it taking shape in my life. And so, O God, please grant me what I need in order for that to happen. You are worthy, but I am weak and needy. I need food, or my body just won't work the way that it ought to, and my mind won't be able to fight for your service. I need forgiveness, otherwise I would be lost, I would despair, and I would never live a life for your kingdom. I need help in the fight against sin, because I'm too weak to stand on my own. That's the spirit of the prayer that the Lord would have us pray. So, brothers and sisters, then, when Christ places the petition here in the prayer, he teaches us that our heart's desire isn't ultimately for the food itself or even for the forgiveness itself or even the Holy Spirit's strength itself. As much as we need those things, we long for those things, our first desire is to see God's name lifted up high and to give our lives for that purpose. All the small 
personal, individual needs. Those are the things that we need in order to have that done and to live that kind of life. So that's the first point. It's not meant to be our first request. Secondly, we can see that this request, this prayer for our daily bread, is a modest request. We know, of course, when Christ taught us to pray for our daily bread, he didn't mean we should only pray for literal bread, either white or whole wheat or something like that. No, obviously, Christ included under that request all sorts of daily, physical, bodily needs. In verse 31, he talks about some of them, what we shall eat, what we shall drink, what we shall wear. And he says, your heavenly Father knows that you need all of those things. But it's still worthwhile to consider why Christ didn't tell us to pray for our daily needs. Why he didn't use those words, even though that's what this petition is all about. Why does he tell us instead, pray, give us this day our daily bread instead of our daily needs? Well, at least one reason why Christ taught us to pray this way, instead of more vaguely for our daily needs, is that bread gives us an idea of the kind of need that he would consider genuine needs, the kind of needs that he wants us to be praying for. The fact is, it's, it's very easy for us to very quickly define all sorts of things as needs. We need so many weeks of vacation. We need the latest technology. We need the newest truck. And those things are not wrong to want or even to buy if we do so as good stewards of God's money. But when Christ taught his disciples to pray, he taught them to pray for bread because it gives an example of the sort of thing that really is a need. You might think of what Paul wrote in in 1 Timothy 6, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of it. But if we have food and clothing with these, we shall be content. And so by this, Christ is teaching us this is supposed to be a modest prayer. He absolutely, of course, encourages us to bring our requests to God as children bring their requests to a father. But he doesn't teach us to to come to God with a long and elaborate list of all the things that we would consider needs, all of the things that we would like God to give us. It's a modest prayer. Father, I know you have blessed me and my family with so many more things than we've even asked for. And you've been so lavish in your goodness towards us. Our hearts are filled with gratitude, but still, all we ask from you is our daily bread. And if that's all you give us, then we'll still be content and praise you. That's the kind of prayer that Christ teaches us to pray. That's not to say we can't pray for anything other than bread or clothes or bodily needs. No, we need employment to receive that bread. We may be lonely and there's nothing wrong with praying for a spouse We may be living for years on a very tight budget that brings us constant anxiety, and we may pray to God for relief from that. We can bring all of those prayers to God. Peter tells us, cast all of your anxieties on him. He cares for you. But those requests should always be done in that spirit of modesty that prays to God for our daily bread, desiring nothing ultimately more than what we need simply to serve him, to live our lives for him. We're not building up treasures here on earth. That's what the Lord teaches us. And that should affect the way that we pray. We read earlier from Proverbs 30, the, the words of a wise and godly man named Agur. We don't know 
hardly anything about him. But his prayer there expresses the same spirit that you find here in the Lord's Prayer. He says, Two things I ask from you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far, far from me falsehood and lying. Reminds you of the sixth petition. And give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me instead with the food that is needful for me. Lest I be full on the one hand and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor on the other hand and steal and profane the name of my God. See, our purpose here on earth is to serve God, to lift up His name, to work for His kingdom. And that should be first in our hearts. And if the blessings that He does give us in, in this life, if they were so great that they should turn our hearts away from Him so that we forget about them, so we forget about Him rather, then it would be better if we never had those blessings at all. Our riches can be a snare. You can think of what the Lord Jesus taught in the parable of the, the, the sower, and he throws the seed onto ground that has weeds, and those weeds, he says, are the worries and cares of this life, and they choke the faith out of those growing seedlings. There's a warning there for us, especially here in one of the most richest, one of, one of the richest countries of the world. It can be very easy to let the treasures that we have here on earth strangle our faith, where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. It's a serious warning. And here, especially in the West, the church needs to heed that warning. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, says the Lord, than for, the, for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Are we prepared to lose our riches for the sake of his kingdom? That was Christ's warning to the rich young ruler. He said... Give all of that to the poor and follow me. And the ruler failed that test. Would we be able to pass it, to give all that we have in order to follow the Lord? That test could come upon us if persecution ever reaches us as it does so many other Christians in the world. Could it be said of us, like the author, of Hebrew, author to the Hebrews says, that you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one? Or can we say with David, whom do I have in heaven but you? And on earth there is nothing that I desire apart from you. Or has that spirit been strangled out by the worldly goods that we've accumulated? It's not wrong to be rich. You can think of Abraham and Job, men of the faith who were rich. But it is much harder to see God as our treasure, our greatest treasure, if, we, if he has to compete with our earthly treasures as well. Far better to have almost nothing and still have the nearness of our God than to have so much that we are ultimately led away from our Creator. So then Christ teaches us to make our prayers modest before God, lest we be caught up in that spirit of gathering up treasures on earth and ultimately forget our God. If we have enough to serve him, and not so much that we forget him, then we have much to give thanks for. And finally, let's notice that this request that the Lord teaches us is also meant to be a daily request. He tells us, give us he tells us to pray, that is, give us this day our daily bread, which means he intends for us to pray this prayer every single day. There's at least two reasons here in Matthew 6 why the Lord teaches us that this ought to be a daily prayer. 
One reason is because it's a needed reminder that we are daily dependent on God, even for that bread. Even if we have plenty of bread in the freezer or plenty of money in the bank, we still can't control our future as much as we would like to believe. We can plan and we should plan for the future, but we can't control our future. You think of what the Lord teaches us, let tomorrow wor- worry about, our, about itself, and instead we ought to worry only about today. The truth is we can easily lose our wealth or even our lives at any moment. You can think of the, the Great Depression of the 1930s after a decade of prosperity and abundance. People never would have expected to be poor the next years. But suddenly the market crashed and people all over the United States were literally starving for bread. It's not at all impossible even in our own day and age. And besides that, natural disasters can easily strike us. And it doesn't even need to be something as big as a market crash or a natural disaster. We could lose our lives, any one of us, even on the way home from church, if God wills it. Or if God desires, our hearts might simply fail at any moment. As the Apostle James wrote, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. When, when that re- reality has settled into our minds and into our hearts, then this prayer, even for something as simple as daily bread, really becomes a daily prayer. We need, we need God's provision for even the smallest slice of bread. And even if we we don't lose all that we have in a moment still, by praying every day for our daily bread, we remind ourselves that our bread doesn't come from our strength. It's what we sang in, in Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders will be laboring in vain. I remember as a, as a child being very impressed when uh, our family went to visit another family in the church, and the husband at the opening of the meal said, Thank you, Lord, for this food that you have prepared through the hands of my beloved wife. Isn't that exactly correct? Even though someone might have prepared the meal, even though our works might have, and our labor might have gone into receiving that meal, still we recognize it ultimately comes from the hand of our Father, and we rightly give him the ultimate thanks for it. So that's, that's at least one reason why Christ teaches us to make this a daily prayer. Because we're daily dependent on him for food and even for our every breath. Well, there's another reason also why this ought to be a daily prayer. And for that, let's take a second look at, at verse 19 of, of chapter 6. Christ tells his disciples there, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. How do you do that? How do you lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven? Well, you do that using the treasures that you have on earth. Think of what the Lord Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew, Matthew 10. He says, whoever gives one of these little ones even a cold cup of water because he is a disciple, truly I say he will by no means lose his reward. How do you store up treasures in heaven? By spending the treasures that you have on earth. When God and, and the pleasures of his presence 
is our greatest treasure, well, then we will commit our resources, even something as small as a cup of cold water, and as well as our money and our time and our talents, to see his work done in this world. How do you provide a Christian education for your children? That's one of the treasures that we lay up in heaven. Well, we do so with our time, with our money, with our efforts, with our resources. It's not easy, and it's not cheap, no matter how you do it. How do you send missionaries into the world to bring the light of the gospel to those who are lost in darkness? With your money, with your time, with your efforts, with your resources. How do you minister to broken lives? How do you put things in place to help the vulnerable in society? Again, with money, time, resources, with our earthly treasures. That's how we lay up heavenly treasures. We lay up our treasures in heaven by spending the treasures that we have on earth. Think of the parable that Christ used of the shrewd manager. He knew he was about to lose his job. And so what did he do to prepare himself for the future? Well, he made the most of the resources that he had at his present disposal. Resources that he knew he was going to lose anyways. And by spending those, he gained a future that he wasn't going to lose. You can think of what the preacher says in Ecclesiastes, Cast your bread out on the waters, for you will receive it again after many days. Think of what the missionary, maybe you've heard this quote, the missionary Jim Elliott, who died in Ecuador, what he said before he lost his life, he said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's why Christ teaches us also to make this a daily prayer. Not only because we're daily dependent on him for everything that we need, but also because he expects us to be spending these resources on a daily basis. We spend the resources that the Father gives us today on seeking his kingdom and his righteousness, giving everything we have to lift up his name and and to see his worship spread across the earth. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean not having a responsible retirement savings account or a retirement plan. Paul teaches us also that we ought to see to it that we owe no one anything else. He also teaches that parents ought to save up for their children and not vice versa. So Christ isn't teaching us to spend our way into homelessness needlessly so that we suddenly become a burden on others. But he is teaching us to see our earthly possessions that we have as a means of laying up treasures in heaven, to have lives that are dedicated to his kingdom, not simply to hold on to our wealth, but instead to spend it on the promoting of the worship of his name by all people, because that has eternal value. That's the very thing, in fact, that he's created us for. So then, brothers and sisters, let us give our lives to the praise of his glory He is worthy of a life devoted to him. And because of Christ's work, it isn't only a duty to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It's a pleasure to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness because his kingdom is ours and the righteousness that he has earned is also ours. We're giving our lives to the glory of the one with whom we will spend eternity at whose right hand are pleasures forevermore, whose steadfast love, as David once wrote, is better than life itself, whose favor is like the sun shining upon us. 
Delight yourselves in the Lord, says David, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And he can assure us of that, because when we delight ourselves in the Lord, then he himself is the desire of our heart. Or as what the Lord, our, uh, what the Lord Jesus himself promised us, ask and it will be given to you. The Father promises to draw near to those who draw near to him, who see him as their greatest treasure. So then when we pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Let it not be because our bread is more valuable to us than our Father. Remember Jesus' words, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Instead, let us pray for our daily bread because we want it to be able to delight in him and promote the glory of his name. We desire our bread in order to serve him and to see his name lifted up. So then may our prayers be modest because there is nothing on earth that we desire besides him. If we have him at our side, we already have everything that we need. And may this also then be a daily prayer because we recognize that all our blessings come from him and because daily, day by day, we spend our earthly treasures to see his name lifted up. His name is worthy of everything that we can give. So then may the Holy Spirit continue to work in our hearts the desire and shape our desires after his teachings so that our desires would become his desires. Amen. Let's respond to God.